Oh, well, how do you feel? I feel like I've just come through the decision-making season because that's what I call it because I'm not good at making decisions. I don't like making decisions and it doesn't come easily and you get to that point where you go, oh, what present am I going to buy that person? Oh, I should feel really happy about buying a present for Christmas but it's a decision. What food are we going to have Christmas Day? Oh, we're going to have ham this year. We're going to have turkey. It's another decision and I don't like it and I don't do well and I have this big battle. And then it's whose place are we having it at? Who can come? Who can't come? What day? What time? What suits who? And even New Year is a bit of a decision. You know, did you party last night? No, it was too wet. Did you go and see family? Did you stay at home? Ah. Really, they're small decisions in life. But I've found, and I don't know whether it's because I've got dyslexia or what it is, even the little decisions are sometimes really hard for me. And the big ones are even worse. And the end of the year is quite often where some of us have to make the big decisions. Sometimes it's to move house. Sometimes it's to move countries. Sometimes it's to leave family behind. Move on from a relationship. Sometimes it's just to move, to move out of our comfort zone and into something else. Another thing I don't like doing. <laughs> and it causes a really big battle in me. And I battle with everything. I battle with God. No, I don't really think you said that. Um, I don't want to do it. Everything is an inner turmoil. And that's, that's part of me. <laughs> Have I come to terms with it? No. And then I keep on thinking, well, God gave me this choice. Uh, that was really silly because I'm not good at that. I know and I've always done things God's way, but I've still had the battle of, I know you want me to do it this way, God, but I really don't want to do it that way because my way is the easy way. And God has never, ever taken me the easy way, but he's always been with me. And next week is my anniversary. Not my wedding anniversary. No, a big anniversary. It's 27 years since I came to Darwin for two years. Because I said, God, I'm going for two years. That's it. See, things had not been good for the previous 16 years and God had said, go to Darwin with Bob. And I said, oh, you've got to be kidding. No, I don't want to. And that battle raged for ages because I really just did not want to go. It was God's way or my way. And I talked to family and friends and they really wanted me to stay. They said everything would be over, life would be easy, they'd stand by me, they'd be there, they'd look after my kids, everything would be great. Don't be stupid and don't go to Darwin with Bob. Oh. So I went away and I prayed about it and I prayed and I prayed and I thought, oh, oh, I want you to bless me, God, and I want you to be a big part of my life, but I don't want to go to Darwin with Bob because I'm giving up my family and they all think I'm stupid. What am I going to do? 
And I was still saying that in the car on the way to Darwin with Bob. <sighs> While saying, I can do this, I can do this. Two years, two years. You see, Bob wasn't a Christian, but he wanted to go to church and he wanted to get family and life back on track. Things had been really bad and I thought, well, maybe this is kind of a new beginning. I'll see a bit of the country if nothing else. Suck it up, Karen. Two years. It's just two years. That's all it is. It'll be cool. I can do it. I think. I didn't know what God wanted. I didn't know why I was coming here. But somewhere inside me, I knew God wanted me here for his reason. So I came. And I thought, I'm going to see amazing things. The minute I get there, this is going to be the land of milk and honey. This is going to be great. Well, we moved into Coconut Grove. <clears throat> First night, lightning hit the building next door. Five kids on my bed yelling, ringing in my ears. This flash of white in my eyes. I'm thinking, is that you, God? I had no sleep. And the next day, it just poured and it poured and it was hot and it was sweaty. And the only way to get to our room on the third floor was a stairwell that was on the outside of the building. So every time I went to the car, the shop, back up again, I got soaking wet. I thought, hmm, this is not quite what I thought it was going to be, God. The next night, I thought, oh, things are going to improve. They're really going to get good. I had all the beds in the middle of the room, and I rang and rang and rang downstairs to the guy, and I said, look, this is really disturbing. There are lizards running all over the walls. I can't stand this. And he said, geckos, love. And for a while I thought Gecko's love was a, a Darwin greeting that you just, you know, Gecko's love. Okay. <clears throat> Took a lot to get used to those geckos, I'm telling you. We didn't have them in Adelaide. <laughs> and don't get me started on, let's go and see the town. There were frogs in the toilets. That doesn't happen in other cat bottles, I'm telling you. A cockroach that big ran over my head. It was like, oh, no. God, where's the blessing? Where is it? And then there was the heat and the rain and then the heat and the rain and then the humidity, the heat and the rain. Oh, did I pray. I don't think I've got it right, God. Maybe everybody was wrong and I shouldn't be here, but I know I'm here for your reason and I'm fighting it because I don't want to be here, but I am and I want to leave. I want to go home. Oh, but two years aren't up yet. Fine. Two years, two years, two years. So then we moved into Smith Street. Weren't as many geckos up the wall, which was good. And yes, I walked all over the city, looking for the city. And I came home that night and I said to Bob, I thought you said we lived in the, the city, the capital. He said, yeah, we do. And I said, well, where is it? There's no Myers and I couldn't find David Jones and honestly, Woolies is the only thing I've found. There isn't anything else. And he said, this is the capital. I said, oh, okay. Not what I thought it was going to be. And the only person I'd met, because I kept on thinking, I've got to find friends, I've got to meet people and talk to them about this place. And the only person that I met was a Malaysian woman who had lunch at the vegan cafe in the Mall. Whenever I was lonely or I felt really bad, she seemed to just be there. And I'd look and go, oh, hi. And she'd just sit and she'd listen to me. I was like, oh, that's cool. I went along to the Uniting Church in Smith Street. 
There she was sitting in front of me. I thought, whoa, she's never talked about church. And she's here. Hmm. And she leant back and she said, um, God will make a way. He's with you. Okay. I know. Yep, he is. And she said, can you do something for me? <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, please, Lord, let it be something really little, not something really hard. And she said, no, I just want you to put together some Christian music on a tape and drop it into the Darwin Hotel for me. And I said, oh, she said, Tuesday. I said, yeah, I can do that. Pretty sure I can do that. Yep, yep, fine. So I did. And on Tuesday, I went along to the Darwin Hotel that isn't there anymore. And I dropped off the tape. And I went up to reception to this guy that was standing there. And I told him what I'd come for. And I stood there looking at him and I thought... She's Malaysian and I don't know her name, but she stays here a lot. <laughs> Surely haven't got very many people like the one I've described. And he said, I have no idea who you're talking about. Oh, okay. Um, I said, well, can I leave the tape anyway? And if you see a lady that fits that description, you can give it to her? And he said, yeah, yeah, of course I can do that. And... I went to walk out and I stopped and I thought, oh, God, have I done the right thing? Maybe I should wait till I actually find the woman. I shouldn't hand it to a person. And I took a few steps back. And the guy had actually put the tape on and he was listening to it. And he looked up and he saw me. And he said, oh, that's the music my mum used to play down south. I grew up in a church that played that stuff all the time. That's really cool. Can I listen to it? I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. Go for it and find the lady, give it to her too. And as I was leaving, he said, uh, I should probably go back to church. Yeah, I should find a church here in the town and go back to it. So by the time I got out to the car, I realised God wanted to use me. It wasn't in something big at the moment. It was in something little, but he wanted to use me. And I needed to listen to him because I was... I was going to do some great things in two years. We moved to Palmerston and I accidentally went to the multicultural church. I say that because I thought the Uniting Church had two services, so I went to the night one and it wasn't. It was the multicultural, it wasn't the Uniting Church. And I walked in and I realised that they were speaking a language I didn't understand. But I really felt I should have been there and I loved the music. The food was amazing. So I took the husband and the kids along to this church and they did a service, and they did the service on Exodus 40, verse 34 to 38. Um, I'll give you a bit of background. That's where Moses had gone up Mount Sinai to meet God and to get a new copy of the covenant, the commandments, because the first lot had been broken. Moses went to see God's glory. He just, he just kept on saying, I want to see your glory. So God came down in a cloud and passed by him. Moses asked him, if I have favour, please travel with us. With the Israelites, please travel with us. They'd made the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, which housed the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies. And that's where the Lord would dwell. And that's where he would come down as a cloud. Verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord had filled 
the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all of their journey. I realised while listening that I was here until the cloud moved. Well, there was still a battle. I still had that two-year thing in my head. But I knew that for me, God's cloud was in Darwin. And that my story, my life, was something that he wanted to use. He wanted to be glorified in the good and the bad that had happened. And I needed to let him use me. You know, I didn't always understand the services, but I learned a thing or two, and, and I learned how to sing a song in Tagalog, which I can't sing now. And we performed it at the Bill Newman Crusade, which some of you here might have actually gone to back in the 90s. The whole family went, and before the end of the talk, I looked along the row, and I was the only person in my row. <laughs> they hadn't even finished. And I looked down, and there was Bob, first person down the front, followed by my sons and my daughter. They were all down there. And I'm still going, ah, okay. <laughs> As I walked down, I just kept on thinking, wow, the husband that persecuted Christians is now a Christian. And I watched as he was on fire and still is on fire with God and has done amazing things in that 27 years for God and continues to do them. The same week, it was a week and a half, that one. The same week I found out I was having number six child. <laughs> Gift from God that I never knew I wanted. But we got it. Well, I prayed and I, I praised God and I thanked him because he'd done amazing things, and I'd only been here six months. I still had 18 months to go. And I kept on thinking, okay, 18 months, I can move back down south with a Christian husband and six kids and see what God wants to do then. I thought the cloud will move. God's still going to use me for 18 months, and then we're going. Oh, silly me. <laughs> because when I was praying, God said... My glory and my favour are in the cloud, and it's still over Darwin. And in the church that I have placed you in, and the things that I will get you to do, I want you to set the captives free. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't think I can do it. Mm. Okay, so the cloud's still here. I'm going to set captives free. No idea how. Don't even know if I can do it. Well... I ended up leading two Bible studies, one at night and one during the day. The one during the day got together on different military bases and boy, I saw miracles. God moved. He used me. He used the people in those groups. He set the captives free. Every day or every week, we would have people just walk in and they'd go, um, is this a such and such? And we'd go, no, we're actually a Bible study, but, you know, you can come and talk to us if you want to. Or, Well, we saw people just walk in and we saw Jesus 
walk out with them. I saw miracles in his name. I saw people set free. I saw them set free from addiction, from affliction, from witchcraft, from the occult, from things that I didn't know some of these people needed to be set free from. But God led. I just needed to be obedient. They were all healed, they were all set free, and I still had this battle inside. I knew that without God I was nothing, and I needed the Holy Spirit to lead me in all things. And the cloud was still here. But I was now thinking it was kind of okay. Because I could see what he was doing and I could see where he was leading me, I thought. And one day he said, your cloud in Darwin is moving to another part of Darwin. Leave the church. I want you to go to a church that I've planted and be a blessing. I thought, oh, really? Oh, yes. I thought, oh, yeah, of course. There's eight of us. When we turn up at a church, we take up a whole row. We're always a blessing. And if the church is just starting, well, we've filled an entire row. This is really cool. I can see why you want me, God. And that's why we're at Cornerstone, because that's where God sent us when Cornerstone started. He sent us here for his purpose. And his cloud was definitely over Cornerstone. His favour was there. But before I made a decision, or before anybody makes a decision, always pray, seek God. Where's his cloud for you? Where is it leading you? Where does he want you to be? What does he want you to do? Because he has something for every one of us. Well, the day came, and I was really quite sad this day, because God had said to me, hand the studies over to others. And I thought, oh, Lord but I've enjoyed being your mouthpiece. I've enjoyed doing this. He said, no, hand them over to other people. You need to walk out. And he said, yep, you need to go to your kid's school and tell them that you want to work for them full time. And I thought, well, that's a weird thing to do. They don't go to a Christian school. Why on earth am I doing that? But I did. And they hired me straight away, full time start the next Monday. I thought, that's really weird. I still couldn't get why I was there. But I embraced it and I thought, oh, well, you must be doing something or going to do something, something's going to happen. And 18 months later, I got a call from the pastor, Paul Downey, here at Cornerstone. And he said, um, the elders have been praying. Okay. And you have an interview at Howard Springs Primary School as the chaplain. They prayed and your name came up. Oh, boy, was that a battle. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure you're wrong. And then I went back and I said, oh, no, did God say parrot? Because, you know, i got this daughter and she's qualified and she's amazing with young people and she would be great. You really, really should get her. She knows what she's doing and I don't. He said, no, no, we pray. The interview's at 10 o'clock on Tuesday. Be there. I said, oh... Oh, oh, this is a big battle because... Are you you there? Is the cloud really there, God? I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do that job. I don't know how to be that job. And I said that all the way to the interview. Hmm? 
praying, God help me, God help me, let me have a car accident, let the tie go flat, and I can ring them and say, oh, sorry, can't come. <sighs> Just help me through. Just help me through this interview, God, and then I can walk out because I don't know what I'm going to do here. What I didn't know was that there was a panel inside waiting for me and they had decided that they didn't know if they really wanted a chaplain, uh, but if that chaplain could give specific answers to specific questions that they had, then they might consider it. Hmm. So I went in and I sat down and I thought, nothing to lose. It'll be fine. Maybe God just wants me to have the experience of going for an interview. I don't know. So I sat down. The first thing they said was, have you ever worked in a Northern Territory school? I said, uh, yeah, I have been for the last 18 months. They said, oh, right, right. Well, by the end of the interview, and I have no idea how I answered any of those questions, but God had answered every one of them exactly how these people wanted it. And I was just sitting there staring at them, and they said, well, can you start Monday? I said, can I what? They said, can you start Monday? I said, what Monday? They said, next Monday. I'm still going, uh, what just happened? <laughs> okay, maybe you want me. Still in shock, drove home, just going, I don't even know what I'm going to do Monday when I turn up. God said to me, my cloud is now over that school and my favour and I want you there. Okay, but what am I going to do? And he said, love them. I said, what? And don't you want me to do something really hard, like evangelise to them or drag them into the church or let them know that they're heathens? Or isn't there something really hard, terrible you want me to do? And he said, no, love them. And I thought, oh, I think I can do that. I think I can, oh, I... So I went and I found four people in the church and I said, can you please pray for me that I got the right answer from God because, you know, I've still got this big battle going on. I think he wants me to do something I'm not capable of. And one of those people, who is here today, said to me, no, he's already equipped you. He sent you to a school. He's already given you everything you need. And he asked you to love them. You're good at that. Okay, how hard can it be? I just have to love them. I can do it. Okay, right. Got it, God. Not really happy, but got it, God. Well, I'd only been at the school for a couple of weeks and uh, a staff member came up to me and said, I hate you. No offence, you Bible-bashing good-doer. Christian, I just hate your lot. I thought, oh... Maybe loving them is a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be. Then a parent came to me and said, um, there are two women out the front and they're taking up a petition to get rid of you. I said, oh, okay, what have I done? Uh, nothing, we just hate you. Oh, okay. So I went back and I asked people at the church to pray for me and God still said love them. And I said, but they hate me, God. And he said, no, they hate me and you. They don't hate you, they hate me and you. And while you represent me, that's what they hate. Stay in my glory because the cloud, that cloud is still there and it's not going to leave. 
and the only reason you will leave is if I take you out of that place. I thought, okay, right. Been here way over two years, like, maybe this is it. Well, I've been at Howard Springs Primary School for over 15 years, and I've had the privilege of loving hundreds of kids and teachers and staff. Battle was won by Jesus when I realised that they hated who I stood for. They hated a Lord and Saviour that had been crucified by people that hated him. It wasn't me. I realised all of a sudden they could see Jesus in me. I hadn't even seen Jesus in me, but they could see Jesus in me. That's why they didn't like me, and that's why people out there don't like us, because of who we have inside. There'd been many battles since then, um, many times they've interviewed and they've tried to get rid of chaplains in schools. But God has jumped every hurdle and he's held my hand while I've jumped those hurdles and he's kept me there for his reasons, to love, to love the unlovable, to love no matter what happens, to love no matter what's said to me, to just be love to them because it's what they need. The world out there don't feel they belong, they don't feel that they're loved. And just by smiling at them sometimes, giving them a hug, we're being Jesus. There's probably many of you that are like me and have that battle. Do I stay? Do I go? What do I do? We'll pray and remember that his mercy is new every morning. His grace is sufficient I'm not perfect, but he is. And he died that I am forgiven for all mistakes, for all battles. And when I stay in his presence, I've got this joy and I have got blessings. And I have seen so many miracles and blessings in Darwin. I have had so many miracles happen. God is amazing, absolutely amazing. And our family can testify to that because our time in Darwin has been a time of leukaemia that God healed, a time of broken relationships that God healed, a time of broken hearts that God healed. There is nothing that our family haven't gone through with God that he hasn't healed because we are in his cloud. We are where he wants us to be. Well, my two years has become 27. And I might be in Darwin for the rest of my life, I don't know. But you know what, it's okay. Because I'm where he is. I'm where he wants me. Maybe the cloud will move tomorrow, maybe not. But I'm cool with all of it. The thing I want to leave with you is be where God wants you to be for his reasons, his purpose. Let him love you. Let him guide you. Let him be your everything. I just want to pray before we finish. Lord God Almighty, we praise you. We praise your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that you have placed every one of us where you want us. 
Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that enables us to be you, to be your hands and your feet everywhere we go. Thank you, Lord, that you are the I am, that you are the one who answers. No matter what the battle, you are always there, always caring, always covering. We ask, Lord, that you go with us as we leave this place today and that your cloud for every one of us becomes apparent, that we don't get before you and we don't lag behind you, but we stay in your glory for your reason, for your purpose, because you are our Lord, our Saviour, our Messiah, and we are your children. Everything we ask, Lord, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Saviour.